0: Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. John chapter 15, if you will. John chapter 15. I want to talk about protecting the environment. Protecting the environment. <laughs> I see some, I see some smile like, wow, I didn't know you were a tree hugger, Pastor Mark. <laughs> All right, see where we're going with this. We're going to talk about protecting the environment. We're going to talk about protecting your environment, your environment, amen. Uh, we become a product of our environment and, um, you know, even coming out of the, series that we've been in on the weekends, and um, man, if you weren't here Sunday or you missed Sunday, you, you've you got to get online, and it's funny, just today, um, I was texting back and forth with uh, Miss Tiffany O'Grady, she was getting some stuff done around here, and um, uh, she was actually telling me that her son Daniel was uh, battling some symptoms, they weren't going to be able to be here. And so uh, she said, we're, I'm just going to listen to Sunday's message because I was in kids. And I said, well, man, you you missed a good one. You've got to hear it. And she said, oh, were you preaching on humility? <laughs> I said, no, actually, I was preaching on confidence. <laughs> I was preaching on gaining confidence. You, you Can you tell? I've gained some confidence. Um, but it was that good. And look, I'm not that smart, man. The Holy Spirit knows Uh, way more than I do. I said, I told her, I texted her, I said, I listened to it today myself. And I did. I had some driving to do. And so I put on my own message, mostly because half the stuff I said wasn't in my notes before. And so I wanted to make sure I went back and got it uh, again the second time. Uh, But that's just how good God is. And um, it was all the Holy Spirit, but it was just a powerful message. And coming out of that series on managing and And guarding our souls, you know, the Bible tells us to guard our hearts, uh, to guard our minds, and um, to do that, you know, to have a healthy soul, uh, many times we don't ever address the issue of our intake. We're always addressing what's coming out of our soul. Why am I blowing up like this? Why am I having this issue? Why do I feel this way? Why am I thinking these things? But we've got to address the issue of, of, of the intake and learning to guard our hearts and learning to guard our minds and and guard our eyes and our ears. Those those, uh, really uh, are the gateways into the soul, what we see, what we hear, and what we surround ourselves with. And here in John chapter 15 and verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, every branch in me, every branch in me that does not bear fruit. I find that interesting. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit. So you can be in him and still not bear fruit. doesn't say disconnected. It doesn't say, he, he says, he goes on to say that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he will disconnect. So, There's a connection there, but there's there's a flow problem. There's a production issue. And so we've got to find out why this is. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He prunes, Oh, you've got it in the New Living. It says uh, in verse two, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Notice that there's an interest here, uh, there's an emphasis on what we're producing, there's an emphasis on what is coming out of us. Ultimately, when we see that word fruit, we're talking about the production. We're talking about what our lives uh, are, are reflecting, what our lives are producing. And, and so, you know, Jesus is very much interested, hey, you're connected to me, then there should be a difference. There should be a difference in production because you're in church and because uh, you're in the word and because and those things aren't automatic, that there has to be an intentionality to produce the fruit of the kingdom of God. So he says, every branch in me that doesn't produce, he takes away every branch that bears fruit. He prunes or he's he's trimming and he's cutting back. And there's always uh, this this, uh, uh, discipline taking place so that our production levels can increase, that it will produce more fruit. Verse three. Let's look at verse three. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. Now, there, now, we're, now we're seeing something. Now we're seeing that there's a two-way street to this thing. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless... It abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So we're seeing here that there is, a, that that word abide doesn't mean to visit. That doesn't mean to show up, uh, you know, every now and then. That word abide means to live in, to dwell in. That's what abide means. And sometimes we we, you know, we live in a culture where we try to get the most out of what we put the littlest into. I wanna put in the least amount of effort, but I wanna get the greatest amount of production. Don't we live in a day and age that tries to do that? We always wanna find ways to do things faster. We wanna find ways to do things better. We wanna find ways to do things easier, less effort. And, and look, there's, there's, there's some good behind that. I mean, I'm thankful today that I can drive a vehicle versus walk or you know, have to ride a horse. You know, I was uh, talking with um, our pastoral staff. We're going through a book right now down in St. Augustine and they they FaceTime me in every Monday and we're going through this book talking about the, uh, uh, well, it it talks about everything. It talks about the Bible. It's a really deep book, actually. And um, we were talking about the end times. The end times came up and it says that Jesus is coming back on a horse, and Pastor Earl, in a funny way, not so funny way, was like, you know, it makes me wonder, do I need to learn how to ride a horse? He's still coming back on horses, even in, the, even in these last days? Is this, are we pointing to something here? But I'm thankful that I don't have to learn how to ride a horse. I've learned, we've learned how to, tra- to travel and transport ourselves quicker and faster than ever before. I mean, you know, you look at the technology. If we had Google when I was in high school, I mean, I was already bad in high school with, with Encarta 95. And, you know, <laughs> y'all remember that. I'm getting smiles and laughter from the ones that remember Encarta, the online encyclopedia. The CD-ROM. And it has like four CDs to it because you couldn't load it all into one CD-ROM. You had to put four in. And so, you know, if I had Google, I would have learned nothing. Cliff Notes is what got me through high school. What's that? That's learning how to read a book faster. Why, why would I read the whole thing? Cliff has already summed it all up for me. Cliff has, done, he, work, Cliff has worked really hard. I want to make sure that I you know, give him his dues. Cliff got me through high school. I need to meet Cliff, and I need to you know, shake his hand and tell him, thank you for your help, Cliff. I don't know who Cliff is. I don't even know what he looks like. I know his books are yellow and black, and I could find them at any Barnes & Noble, wherever I needed it, the day before the report was due, I can go find Cliff. Why? Because I want to do it faster. I want to do it easier. I want to do it quicker. But I can tell you right now, when it comes to producing fruit of the kingdom, there's no quicker, there's no faster, there's no easier. You abide. You live in it. You dwell in it. And so he's saying that... uh, You're already clean, verse four, but abide in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself. See, when we're not protecting our environment, we're left to our own devices. When we're not protecting what we're connected to, then I'm left to my own righteousness. I'm left to my own abilities to do right. And as we saw on Sunday, that's not very good. Even, in my, even on my best day, I will still come up short to what God has for me. But when I learn to get connected to the word and get connected to Jesus and get connected to who he is and what he has for me, then I begin to produce those blessings. Verse 5 goes on. Uh, read it back in the New Living. Verse 5. Verse 5. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches those, there it is, remain, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And here it is, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And you know, that almost, it, is, it feels like that even just goes without saying. Like, yeah, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. That my production level and, and what I can produce on my own apart from Jesus is extremely limited. But if apart from him I can do nothing, then through him I can do everything. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jump over to Psalms chapter one. Psalms chapter one expounds on this a little further. Psalms chapter one. We're talking about protecting The environment, protecting our environment, protecting what we're surrounded by. You know, I I have found that the environment I plant myself in today produces my future tomorrow. The environment I plant myself in today determines and produces the future I experience tomorrow. I can always look at where I'm presently at and get a picture or a glimpse of where I'll be. What I've got to do uh, to get to where I need to go is starting right now where God has me right now, where I'm at. What am I putting in front of me? I, I remember, uh, you know, going to Bible school. I was 18 years old, right out of high school. Um, and knew I had a call to ministry, knew that I wanted to be in ministry, knew what school I wanted to go to, knew I wanted to go to Rhema. I had been uh, uh, around Brother Hagen, around Rhema since I was about six, seven years old. Um, We used to take family vacations to Tulsa uh, every year. We only lived about five hours away. And so we'd go up there for camp meeting and winter Bible seminar and all these different things. And that was, I might sound like a weird kid to you, but that was just, that's what I love to do, love to be around. And um, we'll be there next week, actually. And, uh, but that's, I, I knew I wanted to be in ministry, knew that's where I wanted to go. But I always had this future thing. Well, when I get to ministry and when I graduate and, and, and I quickly learned that a lot of what I wanted to experience in my future, I had to start working on today, right now. In, in my bedroom as a high school student and in my dorm room as a, as a college student and, 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 and not waiting for that day to come, but recognizing that the day I have now prepares me for the day of where I wanna be. And so we're seeing here that my planting and my connection, my environment that I put myself in today is what will help me produce what I believe God has for me in the future. Psalms chapter 1 reads this way in the New Living, I believe, that we have. Yep. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Now he's actually identifying the kind of company that we keep. I believe it's over in 2 Corinthians where uh, uh, Paul says that Uh, evil company will corrupt good character. That even keeping company with people, we've got to protect who we hang around and who we trust our time with, who we trust our conversations with. And I, I think very, you know, sometimes we don't give a lot of attention of the company and the people that we actually spend the bulk of our time with. I'm not saying, and this verse is not saying, the word of God is not saying that we can't be around unbelievers and that, you know, I mean, if that were the case, you know, what, what, what influence would we have in the earth if we were never around people to influence for the kingdom of God? But there's gotta be a, a protection and a guard up around those that we are keeping relation with and making relationship with. With, the New King James reads it this way, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, blessed. There's blessings in keeping a blessed company. There's blessings on our lives that what our lives will produce many times is a product of the company that we keep around us. I mean, there's a lot of times that, you know, if we're counseling somebody, or someone's having an issue in a, in a specific area of their lives, we can point to one of these areas and it will quickly begin to diminish. You thought it was in your head, but it was really in the music you're listening to. You thought that it was just bad, you know, a, a, a mental or emotional battle that you're facing, but it's really the kind of movies that you're watching, the kind of TV shows that you keep going to. Come on now. I'm not going to tell you what to watch and what not to watch. That's that's probably different for everybody in this room. But at the end of the day, we've got to do better at recognizing what is harmful to us and protect our environment. There's many times that I'll be in those kind of conversations and, and it'll begin to pop up, you know, the kind of people they hang around. So a lot of times it's the people you work with. It's the people you surround yourself with. Now, obviously, you don't just go get up and find a different job. That's not the answer. But you can control how much you allow people to influence you and affect you. You absolutely can. But sometimes we just open up doorways and gateways and we're not protecting the environment. Uh, verse two says, but they delight in what? The law of the Lord. Now, look at this next word, meditating. Meditating. Meditating is not skimming. Meditating is not the U version Bible verse of the day. I'm not knocking it. That's great. I'm glad that you can have a verse that pops up on your phone the first thing you wake up. There's worse things that could pop up on your phone the first time you wake up. Snapchats and CNN for a lot of people. Come on. But, but he says meditating. Meditating means to chew on. Meditating means to think on. And then how often? How, how, how much should I be meditating? Day and night. Well, that pretty much covers it. <laughs> I've got to meditate during the day. I'm going to meditate during the night. Essentially, what he's saying is it's constantly before you. Come on, we've got to get back to some constantly before us. Not when I get in trouble. Not when I need a verse because I'm in a sticky situation. Man, I heard someone say a powerful quote this past week. They said, what if prayer wasn't about us getting God's attention, but us giving God our attention? What if, I mean, think about that, getting God's attention. Do you really think you need to get God's attention? He knows the numbers that are on, the numbers of hairs that are on your head. He knows you better than you know yourself. I don't need to get his attention. I am the apple of his eye. He knows exactly what I need even before I ask. He knows my future. He knows my past. He knows all about me. I don't need to get his attention. I need to give him my attention. Man, that changed my whole thought on prayer. That changed my whole, I'm not trying to, hey God, hey God, hello, you there? You there? You're gonna pick up? You're gonna answer the phone? I've been calling you. I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting. To, what, you know, what am I supposed to do about this? Who am I supposed to marry? What school am I supposed to go to? Where am I supposed to be? What's going on, God? Hello, I don't hear you. And he's like, give me your attention. Not just when you need something, but are you there? Are you, are you there? Are you there? The presence of God is where you present yourself. The presence of God is everywhere. The question is, is am I doing a good job of recognizing that I'm connected to him? Come on, these verses are not talking about just casual, I need to go to God. These verses aren't talking uh, uh, about, you know, just the, the fair weather in and out when I need it. You know, I, I, I have, I, I've personally helped people through some major crisis in their lives before. And I love doing it. It's an absolute blessing seeing people come out of darkness into light, seeing people overcome uh, in their finances, in their marriages. I mean, that's one of the joys of pastoring that just keeps you moving, keep you going on. I do it all over again for one story. I do it all over again for one person to see them, that to, to see their life come to come to life, come to fruition. Recognize the purpose that God has for them. But but the 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 thing is is the striving and the pursuing that we do when we're in trouble needs to be the same amount, if not more, when everything's going great. It doesn't need to be this dip in and out, you know, when everything's going good. Well, I don't see him very often or I'm not giving God my attention or I'm not really in his word as much. But you know the digging you do when all hell breaks loose. You know the praying that takes place when, when, when it seems like there's nowhere else to go. That God doesn't want to be a last resort. He wants to be a first priority. He wants to be a proactive measure in our lives, not just a reactive measure. But what happens? I don't protect my environment. And in today's day and age, with the, the added things that we can build around our lives, with, with the added pressures and the added... Uh, uh, avenues that can speak into our lives and that can influence us and that can get us off track. I mean, I've heard people tell me that they don't like to read, but I see them doing this, this. Like if you added up all the Facebook scrolling and all the news feeds and all the other stuff that you've done, you probably just read a book. (laughs) You probably just spent A book, I mean, I'm sure there's a statistic out there about how much time people spend on Facebook every day. And I'm sure it's out there somewhere of how much time we spend on our phones and all these kind of things. What is that? That's your environment. And we we, we cannot be misled in thinking that what's going in is not coming out. That's ultimately what this is about. What's going in will come out. We're instructed to guard. We're instructed to stand guard out front, protecting our mind. You know, just when you, when, when you just put it plainly, our minds and our lives were not even designed to have to strain out and filter out most of the stuff that we see. Wasn't even designed to do that. Adam and Eve were in that garden. All they knew was good. That tree was the knowledge of what? Good and evil. Up to that point, they only knew good. So we're, we're, we're doing more, we're putting more work, uh, a greater workload on ourselves when we're having to filter through all the stuff when God, God should not have to scream over our stuff to get our attention. God should not have to have to shine a bright light or put an angel in your room. He should be able to speak to our spirits and speak to our hearts and speak to our mind. And we should be able to hear him plainly, hear him clearly and be able to respond immediately. But that's limited when we've got it cluttered with so much other stuff. I can be in him. I can have a branch connected to his vine, but how sad is it to have a branch connected to the vine that doesn't even produce? It's because it's become cluttered. It hasn't protected the environment. He says, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Now here's the metaphor. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. How would you like to produce fruit in every season? Not just in the good seasons. Not just when everything's going okay. Not just when, they, when you get the promotion. Not just when, you know, your marriage is going well. Nobody's arguing, nobody's fighting. Not when you got that good grade on the exam. Now, how would you like to produce fruit in every season? That's what it says. You'll produce fruit in each season. There leaves never wither, and here it is, they prosper in all that they do. There it is, there's your, there's your key to prosperity right there. Stay connected to the vine, protect your environment because what, what goes in eventually comes out. What are we connected to? What are we connected to? Pop back over to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. You know, as a pastor, a lot of this is what I'm supposed to say. And, um, you know, when we think about pastors and ministers, you know, I think we have this image that They're just in offices somewhere praying and reading the Bible all day long. But the truth is, I have to make time and put forth just as much an effort as anybody else on this planet to give time to the word. I tell people that I'm even sometimes at a greater risk because I can limit the study of the word and prayer for what I'm getting for you. Rather than out of my own personal devotion and personal relationship, and I can chalk it up as ministry. I can write it off as I mean, I'm doing the work of the Lord. But there's a difference between making a meal in the kitchen to prepare it and serve you, and making a meal that I sit down and eat myself. There's a great there's a, a, and sometimes I can get uh you know, sometimes I can be the hardest one on myself in preparing that. I can be my greatest critic and I can get really excited about something that I've worked up all week long to bring out here on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday morning. But the truth of the matter is, is that is nothing. That might impress people, but it doesn't impress him because ultimately that's not what he wants out of me is did you get me, did you, did you give them a great message? Did you get a new word for them? Did you did you dig it out so that you could preach it to the multitudes? He's wondering where's our relationship at? When did you spend time just with me? When did you just get in the word? Not to get something for someone else, but get in the word just because you love me. I have found, you know, people. Ask me a lot, how can I grow in my love for the word of God? You know, I'm I'm struggling getting in the word and and making a habit of it. The only answer is to do it. It's the only answer. Come on, I'm getting a lot of nodding right now because you know, and it's not a drudgery. Let me tell you this right now, we have Bible reading plans out there, one year Bible reading plans, and I don't care that we're already halfway through February. I don't know how we got here so quick. I don't know what happened to the first 45 days of this year. I don't understand it either. But there's a Bible reading plan out there. Let me tell you this. Do not pick it up to read the Bible in a year. That's not the goal. If you do that, great. If you can sit here and say, for the last 44 days, Pastor Mark, I have checked off the box. I've been able to read it. Awesome, good for you. But the goal is God is not impressed with that. God's God's not, you're not gonna get to heaven and say, look at how many times I read the Bible through in a year. What impresses him is the relationship. The reason why we put those out there is because the only way a hunger and a love for God's word grows is if you do it every day. And we make it very simple. We tell you what to read. (laughs) That's the number one question. I open up the book and I don't know what to read. We tell you but out of that should be a desire and a love for the word of God. Why? So that I can be planted by the riverbanks so that I can be a branch in him, but that he can also abide in me. I don't don't want to just abide in him, but not have him abide in me. I want this to be a two-way relationship. I want this to go both ways so that I can be productive. Let's Let's look back at, Verse five, pick up in verse five. And I know we've got the the new living behind me. John chapter 15, let's pick up in verse five. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. So those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me Is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Now watch this. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. This is how the father is glorified when we're producing the fruit of the kingdom. How do I produce the fruit? By his words remaining in me and by me remaining in his word. I've got to have the connection. I've got to protect my environment. I want us to become so protective of our surroundings, so protective of what is coming in Look, if you're surprised with what comes out, what's the first place we need to look? What's going in? Why do I blow up like that? Why do I respond to people like that? Why do I act that way? Why, does that, why are those words what comes out of my mouth when someone does something wrong to me? How do you, how do you control that? How do you control emotional outbursts? How do you control wrath and anger? How do you control uh, fear and depression? Why do, I, why do I just get so anxious when, 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 when I hear those words or I watch that on the news or why? Because that's what you're feeding. What you feed is what comes out. What goes in is what comes out. He's saying that you've got to remain in me and my words remain in in you. Uh, Verse nine, he says, I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. Jesus is saying, I have to stay connected just like you've got to stay connected. Sometimes we have this idea that Jesus the Son of God, he just automatically did what he what the Father wanted him to do and he was automatically you know inclined to to obey the father and follow the father's will. We know that there were times where even the father's will wasn't his will. We saw that take place in the garden right before uh, he's handed over to the enemy. And and, and so we see this struggle take place. Jesus's answer for the production of his life and of his ministry was his connection. It was his connection. He knew when to get away. He knew when to separate unto his father. He knew when to get around and he knew when to get away. Those are two things that we have to learn in our lives. When do I need to get away? And what do I need to get around? What do I need to get away from? And what do I need to gather myself around? And what do I need to gather around me? And what, you know, there's times, there's times. There there was an opportunity where Jesus uh, was asked by Jairus, About his daughter, his 12 year old daughter that was at the point of death, and he came up to the house, she was already dead, everyone's weeping and moaning and crying, and he put them out of the house. That's a rude thing to do. (laughs) Jesus was rude sometimes. Jesus, Jesus wasn't, you know, carrying sheep around everywhere he went and you know, had little kids on his shoulders. He kicked people out of their own house to get them out. Why? Because what you gather around you influences you. He knew, I've got to get Jairus to a point of faith. But he's surrounded by unbelievers, surrounded by doubters. He's surrounded by people that are only going to fuel the doubt. We already know he's struggling to believe because he says, do not be afraid, Jairus, only believe. Fears come over him. And rightfully so, you just lost your 12-year-old daughter. At least you have getting the report that your 12-year-old daughter is now dead and we could have saved her if we wouldn't have stopped for that woman with the issue of blood, Jesus. What do you think you're doing? Just healing everybody. I was first. I was first in line. That's how the whole story goes. But why? What you surround yourself with will influence you. What you surround yourself with, we've got to check our surroundings, what's around me. Sometimes we've got to get away. Sometimes you've got to separate. Sometimes you've got to disconnect. You don't have to do it in a rude way. Tell them I told them to. What? Pastor Mark said I can't be friends with you anymore. Whatever, I'll take the heat. I've taken the heat for worse. We got to disconnect. We got to separate. We got to, we got to make you know many times we're trying to connect with Jesus but we haven't disconnected from the problems we have you can't make a full connection with him if we're still connected still holding on to the things that we need to be disconnecting from even Jesus had to make these disconnections even Jesus had to connect with his father Verse 11, he said, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Just so you know, these are his last words before he's going to the cross, before he's about to be handed over. He's talking to his disciples. And here he's talking about joy. How do you you have joy in the midst of a situation like this? It's what you're connected to. It's what you're connected to. It's his environment. He said, "You'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow." This is my commandment: love each other in the way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. It sounds like, uh, you know, some preschool kids. I'll be your friend if you do. If you do what I tell you to do. I'll be your friend if you give me your M&Ms. That's what he says. Follow my commands. We'll be friends. I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friend since I've told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to what? Go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you Whatever you ask for using my name, this is my command love each other. This idea of our connection, this idea of our surroundings, our environment, it just begs the question what are you planted in? What are you planted in? What's the environment that you would say you're planted in? That means you're grounded, that means you're fixed, that means that you're drawing from a source. Is it the word or is it the world? What's dictating the fruit that comes out? What's dictating our thoughts that we have? What's dictating our conversations? What's, what's determining my responses? I can tell you right now, I can be open and honest that when I, when I recognize my responses aren't lining up with the word of God, I've, I've, I've pulled away pulled away from being in the Word. I've pulled away from giving it my attention. I'm pulled away. It's probably a day where I just read the book to check the box. Not a day that I gave it my full attention. And in a world where distraction is at an all-time high, where distraction and and, and the the avenues of distractions and the avenues of influence, it's easy to go Hours you, you you have to make it a first priority. of What is my environment? What am I connected to? What am I surrounding myself with? What is feeding me? What is pouring into me? What am I drawing my strength from? What am I? Where am I going for my joy? Where am I going for my peace? All these things that we've talked about. It all begins with where you're planted, where you're rooted. What soil are you in? You know, I think about Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower. And Jesus is uh, talking about the sower sows what? The word. But that word doesn't always land on a soil that will produce results. I've got to make sure that my heart is fertile soil for the word. I have to do that. I have to make sure that I'm not just reading this word and it's falling off to the side. I got to make sure that I don't read the word and it goes into my heart, but then things of the world. I mean, we've done that. Read a verse and it could be the most encouraging verse. Tell me who I am in Christ. Tell me how awesome I am. I'm an overcomer. You know, I'm blessed. And then look at a bill and undo everything I just read. Anybody ever done that? Yeah. Look at my situation. No, no, no. I've got to be in this word so much that I'm convinced this is greater than my situation. This is greater than what's coming against me. This is greater than what the doctor says. I've got to be rooted in that so thorns don't come up and choke it out. The other one was that the, The the cares of the world and the riches of the world choke out, choke out the word. You know, that would be a sad case that you came here tonight, you heard the word, it's been planted deep within your heart, but then cares of the world tomorrow choke out what's being ministered. But no, he says the one where the seed goes into the ground and the person hears it, and understands it and does it, he's the one that produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. I want to produce a harvest for the kingdom of God, but my production begins with where I'm planted. My production begins with what I'm rooted in. My production, the fruit that comes out of my life, what, what is released out of my life is a result of what I am planting myself in. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they're all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.